0: Well, good morning, folks. It's nice to be with you again, and thanks so much for tuning in, if you will. And God is good. We're praying that you and your family are all well. And um, you know, summer they say is about over. You know, Labor Day gets here, and then it's like uh, falls right around the corner. And um, you know, I'm looking forward to a little cooler weather. Uh, they say it's going to get real cold this week sometime. So hang out your hat, and grab your coat. I guess uh, it's Oklahoma. But uh, it's good to be with you this morning. You know the routine, what we do. First thing I do is tell you I love you and let you know I miss you. And want to let you know that uh, we're going to bring another message of from God's Word today right to your living room, if you will, wherever you're at. But uh, again, we are going to have some songs. We're going to have a little videotape for you and some songs and communion. And then I'll come back and do a message for you at that time. Okay, see you in just a minute. Take care.
1: Good morning I'm glad to be with you again this morning today we're going to take just a few minutes to recognize our new sixth grade students since they will be making a transition from the children's ministry into the youth ministry it's been just a pleasure and an honor to walk alongside their parents and to help them grow in their knowledge of the Lord and their love of the Lord and we look forward to doing that even more as, as they progress through the youth ministry. So we've asked some of our current youth groupers to help us with a little video, which will introduce each student and welcome them into the youth group. So without further ado, please welcome our new sixth grade students. Is this
2: thing on? Hey.
1: Worth it. <clears throat>
2: what are we doing?
1: Our first new sixth grader is Mason Carousalis. Mason is the son of Justin and Ashley Carousalis, and he goes to school at Cash Middle School. Next we have Mason's twin sister Maya. Maya is the daughter of Justin and Ashley Carasalis. She also attends Cash Middle School.
2: Avery Dunning is the daughter of Jeff Dunning and Kendra Dunning. She has completed her sixth grade at Tolmenton Middle School.
3: Our next sixth grader is Cam Manning. Cam is the son of Brett and Lori Manning and is a student at MacArthur Middle School.
2: Jeremiah Ross is the son of Kashia and Robert Ross. Jeremiah is attending school at Eisenhower Middle School.
1: Our final new sixth grader is Addison Runyon. Addie is the daughter of Paul Runyon and Danica Runyon. She comes to church with her grandmother, Regina Runyon. Addie also attends school at MacArthur Middle School. Welcome to the youth group! Welcome to the youth group! Welcome to the youth group! We're We're glad glad you're you're here. here. On Saturday we handed out bibles to our incoming sixth graders and it was really a good time to get to know them and I'm they're excited to have these kids in the youth group and especially to be able to partner uh, with the parents and get to know them and uh, walk through them in this uh, new journey of life. And so now for the moment, we're going to uh, take a bit of time to uh, pray over the parents and pray over the kids as they go into this new stage of life. Feel if you'll bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you so much for the blessing of life and for the blessing of these new uh, sixth graders coming into the youth group. I pray that you can uh, keep them safe, wash over them, and I pray that we can be a good spiritual guidance to them, uh, that we can uh, help them in their spiritual walk, and that we can just provide uh, a lot of mentoring to them. Lord, I pray that you be with these parents um, as they're uh, walking through their kids with this. I pray that you can give them wisdom um, to make decisions and just to uh, help their children, Um, and I pray that you also uh, give them strength to become good spiritual advisors for their kids. There's going to be a lot of development that happens in these uh, next six years as they're in the youth group. And I pray that uh, they have strength together and that you uh, not only help them grow in their bond uh, with parent and child, but you help grow the bond between um, you and them, Lord. We pray in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.
2: service. Uh, My name is Mike Sklar. This is my wife, John Sklar. And uh, we have a special guest with us today here at the Veterans Center, one of our resident veterans, Mr. John Pine Saturday, who's going to read some scripture for us today. It's really a blessing to be online with our church family, those of you that are not able to attend worship service in person. And we want all of you to know that we pray for you, we love you, and we miss you a bunch. So today we're in the Veterans Center, in the chapel, and we're going to take part in communion. You know, as we prepare ourselves for communion, we want to remind all of you, first of all, you make sure that you have your communion material with you so that you can participate with us. But more importantly, we want to get our minds and our hearts ready for communion. And I've asked John if he would read from 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, prepare us for the taking of the bread of life.
3: Good morning A reading
2: from First John chapter 1 verse
1: 7 But if we walk in the light and he is in the light We have fellowship with one another and the blood of
2: Jesus his son Purifies us from all sin Thank you John Let's prepare ourselves now as we take of the bread of life of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we come to you in the name above all names, Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we prepare to participate by this wafer representing the body of Jesus Christ, may we do this always with our minds and our hearts and our souls focused entirely on the sacrifice made by our Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And so that our focus must always be on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed, as John said, for the forgiveness of all sins. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, one verse only, verse 16. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is this not the bread that we break? That is a participation in the body of Christ. That's what we participate in. And it is also for the unity of the church, as John mentioned in 1 John 1, verse 7. So the unification that we have together in the body of Christ and the blood of Christ as we commune together in representation and remembrance of what Jesus has done. Would you pray, me, please? Father, again, we come before you with a humble heart and a humble mind, preparing to take the blood of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's at this time that all of you know that our elders have always set aside this an opportunity for people to give in their tithes and their offerings and also for your prayer concerns that you have. Since you are separated from the church right now and not able to do that, you know continue to do as you've done, you've sent your tithes and your Goodwill offerings into the church. This allows us to continue to maintain doing the work of Christ that needs to be done not only in our community, in our church, but also across the world. And the repair concerns, always make sure you let us know. And the elders and others will be praying diligently over your concerns. So let's go to the Lord now as we prepare for the offering. Father, we thank you that we're able to give so much because you have given us everything that we have in this life. May we give from a heart that is joyful and may we give from a heart that understands that you have given us the value that we have so that we can help others, starting with our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This concludes the communion service from this beautiful little chapel. And again, as Donna said, we pray for you, we love you, and know that whatever you need, let the church know. And continue to watch online now and participate in the wonderful sermons and messages that Harley brings to us. In Jesus' name, we bid you farewell.
0: Glad you made it back. Today I want to talk to you about being unafraid. And so I put a question mark next to that. And I just say, unafraid? Are you? Where are you at in all of that? With what's going on in the world today, how are you doing with that? Are you afraid or unafraid? It's a good question, I think. The scripture says in Isaiah chapter 41, he says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. I want you to know today that God wants to help you wherever you're at in life. You may be young, you may be old, you may be healthy, you may not be very healthy. You may be whatever it is in life that you are. And wherever you're at, I want you to know today that God wants to help you. And He's telling you, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. But fear. As we all know, fear is unbelievably powerful in our lives. All of us deal with it, no matter who you are. It can be a little little child or an aged adult, doesn't matter. James Merritt says it like this. He said, it it penetrates the heart, it poisons the spirit, it paralyzes the soul, and it can affect not only emotionally and mentally and spiritually, but also physically, and some of you know that as well. Fear, we all know what it is, none of us like it. It's one of the most debilitating emotions known to mankind. It's amazing, isn't it? How it can affect us. None of us like it, but it amazes me in about a month, is it October, November? Yeah, October is Halloween time. Um, you know, people, I don't like fear. I won't watch a horror movie. Even when I was little, you know the the uh, um, uh, the old movies of, um, not Frankenstein, but um, you know, w- w- whatever those those movies, those weird movies were back in the day, in the 50s. I wouldn't watch them. Godzilla and all that. Not me. I'm not watching them. But it's amazing to me, nobody likes fear to come in their life, but yet people often seek fear out. This just blows my mind. But nonetheless, it's what it is. It's, it's difficult for many of us to get past that. Fear can rush in, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today as well. The late, great Louis Armstrong um, once was asked by a lady to go down. A woman, he said, go down and get me a bucket of water down at the pond. And so he rushes down there to the pond, and the story goes that he got down there, and there he saw, he looked down and there, staring back at him were these two evil-looking eyes that scared the bejeebers out of him. He threw down the bucket, he ran back to the house, to where which the woman simply said, where's my bucket of water? A bucket of water, he said. I didn't get you no bucket of water, Annie May. There's a big old alligator down there in the pond, and I was scared to death of it. She said, Louis, let me tell you, that alligator's been down there for years and years. Well that alligator is as just afraid as you as you are of it. And Louis simply said back to Annie May. He simply said, Well Annie May, If that alligator is as afraid of me as I am of it, that water ain't worth drinking. (laughs) Fear drives us, doesn't it? Now, let's talk about faith. Because fear and faith can be this close together. Fear and faith. Fear and faith in our lives. According to Scripture, faith is a growing ingredient. Something that you can move up or it can move down. Jesus said in Matthew to His own disciples, You have no faith. O you of little faith, He called them once. The disciples asked Him in Luke 17, Increase our faith. They must have known that their faith was not very strong. In Matthew 15, He said, Great is your faith to the woman that brought her daughter for a healing. Great is your faith. It appears to me that oftentimes the one that should have had the greatest of faith are the ones that had the weakest amount of faith. And sometimes that's for us as well, isn't it? So we often say, Man, I sure hope he comes on one of my big faith filled days and not one of my not so faith filled days. Because we deal with fear. And we deal with failure too, don't we? It's not a matter if you fail or if we fail in life, it's when we fail in life because we all are. Have you ever failed at something? Sure you have. I have too, many times. Ever have a time in your life when things seem to be going great, things just wonderful in your life, and all of a sudden this fear just comes out of nowhere and swoops right in and takes you off your game plan, if you will? It does. And your faith, your faith in those moments will either affect people or your fear will affect people. Faith requires more than just doing something, however. It requires risking failure in our life. Faith requires risking failure. So oftentimes we're frozen our faith and we won't move forward in our faith because we're too afraid of failure that might come. Because you haven't seen the end result yet and that's what faith is. You haven't seen the end result but you believe that it's there but if you get frozen in your faith it blinds you of what's there in your life. Faith requires risking failure, it does. Please understand that God did not design us to avoid failure. He didn't? No. Uh, He could have because God can do all things, but He didn't design us to avoid failure. However, He's promised us, and this is the great thing in 1 John, He's promised us that He would give us the power to overcome our failures in life. This is what overcomes the world, even our faith. It's our faith. When I fail at something in life, I determine whether I'm a failure or not. And when you are fall or when you get knocked down in life because you will, you determine whether or not you're a failure or not. God doesn't say you're a failure nowhere in Scripture. He says, look up, be strong, be courageous. Remember what He told Moses and Aaron. Remember what He told Joshua and Caleb before they enter into the Promised Land. Be strong and courageous because He knew what they were about to face and certainly they were going to face these fearful moments in their life. He doesn't tell you that fear won't come. He doesn't tell you that that you won't fail. He tells you to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Put your hope in Me. Put your trust in Me. Put your faith in Me. And watch what I can do for you, He's telling us. And yet we're overcome by this fear. And so then we fail. That's the way the cycle runs. If you are counting on God, listen to me. If you are counting on God to save you in the end, give me an amen. Amen. Because that's exactly what you did when you put your... The moment that you experienced this new thing in your life. You accepted Christ and what He did for you on the cross. You confessed of your sins. You were buried with Him in baptism. You became this new creation. And what you're saying is, I trust you with my afterlife. But in all of that, if you're counting on Him to save you in the end... Can God not save you or deliver you in the here and now? I mean, you're expecting Him to do that then. What are you expecting Him to do between now and then, I guess is the question. Failure is a way we interpret an event in our life. And we've all been there and we've all failed. Adrian Rogers said it best when he said these words. He said, failure need not be fatal. And it doesn't have to be final. You see, if you stay down in your failures in life, you become easy prey for the enemy. And that's precisely what he wants in his life, in your life. And all this stuff that's going on in our world today, all this stuff that's pushed upon you and me, you hear it, you read it, you see it, just like everybody else does. And as you process that, it can push something in. And it's a thing called fear. Now, there are many people in our world today, that's all they want you to live under. They want you to live under fear. Because then they can control you. And that's precisely what the enemy wants. The enemy wants us to walk in fear, not in faith. Because the only thing that gets rid of fear in your life is faith in God. Just remember that one's a free one. Choose to get up. And your failure is behind you. Choose to stay down. And your failure will defeat you. I find it interesting how Scripture or someone might say something to me that confirms something that I've been studying or working on. This past week, I looked up this verse because I knew I wanted it in this, this particular message at this point. And it comes out of Proverbs chapter 24. Let me read it for you. It says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Now, the reason why I say I got some confirmation is the following day when I looked this one up, I didn't know where it was at, but I looked it up and I knew kind of what it said. You've been there. And as I wrote this down, the very next morning on my app on my phone, you know, you get these uh, Bible apps and it'll send you a daily message or it'll send you the daily quote of the day or the scripture of the day. This was the scripture. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to what it says one more time. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Did you catch that? The righteous fall seven times? Who's the righteous? That'd be you, my friend, through Jesus Christ. Not because of things that we've done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. We stand before God righteous, not because of us, but because of the blood of the Lamb. And though the righteous fall seven times, the word seven, remember there, in this case, it's not just seven times, the eighth time you're out. No, it's a complete number. It means every time you fall, get up. That's what we're called to do as righteous people. Now, it finishes up that verse by saying, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes them. In all of that, I would just simply say this, don't worry about the enemy, God's got him right where He wants him. He's going to take him out because he's promised he would. Don't worry about the enemy. Just can concentrate on just getting back up. So if fear's holding you, just get up. If you fail at other things in your life, don't go in the back. Don't go, go, don't go back. Remember what we talked about last week. Look up and get up. God's telling you today. Listen, I've discovered in life that in most cases... The people certainly, me included, what I fear long enough comes to pass. Now, we often say this. We say, well, what what I'm afraid of usually is something that never comes about. But if you dwell on it long enough, it becomes part of you. You can almost will it into your life. For instance, if you go around all day and say, man, it's going to have a bad day. It's going to be a bad day. It's going to be a bad day. It's going you know what? At the end of the day, when you go home, you're probably going to tell somebody, I had a terrible day today. Because you dwelt upon it. It became your focus, and then it drives you in that direction. Now, we all know the story of Job. And I, I, I was just reading through different things this week, and this one came up, and I wanted to share it with you. We all know the story of Job and the horrible, the terrible things that happened to his family and his, his wife's dealing and, and his friends and how they let him down and all those things. It's a long story. But in chapter 3, Job's solid. He's solid as a rock. But do you know what he said in chapter 3? Verse number 25, he said, What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. One translation says, What I fear most overtakes me. What I dread happens to me. Isn't that something? It's the thing that you focus on enough. You just keep willing it into your life. And before you know it, that's the very thing that comes about. God tells us that we are His children. Amen? God tells us that we as Christians can defeat the fear if our vision, our vision is beyond the object that we see. That's what faith is. It's beyond the object of what you see. This is what I see, but I want to. Our vision has to be here. It has to be beyond what the object is. That's faith in your life and mine. Second Corinthians chapter five. It says, "For we walk by faith, not by sight." That's well, easier said than done, isn't it? Because we normally just walk by sight, and then we add a little bit of faith. But let me tell you this. Faith is your x-ray vision eyes. It, it, look at it as your faith is, is an x-ray. It's pushing through what you see to what God has promised. That's a good one. If that's not true, then Hebrews chapter 11 can't be true, but it is true. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I haven't seen it yet, but through all of that, I have faith in it that it's there. And God wants to grow your faith. That's good news. God wants to grow your faith. Every day you get up, God wants to say, I want to increase your faith. I want, to, I want your faith to be a little stronger in me so that you can get from where you are across the finish line, not to crawl across the finish line. I don't want to be one that's just drug across the finish line or barely makes it and collapses across the finish line. I want to be victorious running across the finish line with my hands held high saying, in the name of Jesus, I win the victory. Amen? Amen. I like what Sir Edmund Hillary wrote once He said that he had made several attempts to scale the uh, Mount Everest. And he failed miserably on many occasions, he said. But one of the times that he failed, he said, I stood at the base of that giant mountain and I said these words. He said, I shook my fist at the mountain and I said, I'll defeat you yet because you're as big as you ever will be, but I'm still growing. And I want you to know today that God wants to grow you up in your faith so that you can face the fear and not walk in fear at all in your life. There is a risk in many things in our life, is there not? I don't have to tell you that, but I'm going to anyway. There's a risk of fear in many things in your life. I mean, choosing a career, it's a risk. Where you're going to live in life, it's a risk. Where you're going to go to college, it's a risk. Choosing a mate, now that's a risk. <laughs> going back to school is a risk. You don't really know how things are going to turn out. You hope they turn out, but you're not sure. It's a risk. And because of that risk, watch this. And because of that risk, many times people allow fear to keep them from taking a risk. I'm just going to stay right here. I'm not going to move left or right. I'm just going to stay right here because I'm okay. Well, that keeps you from moving forward with God. And when we begin to stop being willing to take the risk, we stop believing for something better in our lives. We just settle. God reminds us that if you want to please Him, you have to take the risk. How do we know that? It tells us in Hebrews chapter 11. Watch. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you have faith, it's in something over here, not here. That means I've got to take a step forward in my faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he goes on to say, Because anyone who comes to Him, and you have, must believe that He exists and that He rewards those earnestly that earnestly seek Him. My rewards, your rewards, are on the other side of your faith. Rewards are on the other side of the faith. They're there. God said they're there for your taking, my taking. What we have to do is take the risk sometimes and step out in faith out of the boat as Peter did to receive what God would have us to receive. Following Christ is a commitment of faith. And it carries with it a backpack of blessings. But within that backpack, I want to remind you, there are risks that must be taken. Again, faith doesn't guarantee the outcome that you hope for. Did you catch that? Faith does not guarantee the outcome you hope for. It accepts the outcome with the understanding that God knows what is best for me. God's in control and He knows what's best for my life. Let me give you an example of that. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, this is His ascension back to heaven, but He said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you might be also. Probably off a little bit there, but you catch it. So God, Christ Himself, has ascended to heaven, and there He says He's preparing a place for you and for me. And man, that's a big amen right there. So here's the question. Do you think that He knows better than you do of what we need in heaven? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. Listen, you're not going to get to heaven and say to say to God or to, 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 to Jesus, you know, I don't like the way you arranged furniture in here. You can move the couch over there. We need a, you know, we need a fireplace over here, and I need a 12 car garage over here. You're not going to tell that to him. So if he listen to this, if you think that he knows better for you, what's better for you and me in heaven, then don't you think that he knows what is better for you here on earth? Sure, he does. Let me give you an example. What's better, for you to be lost or to be saved? Well, of course, it's to be saved. Well, that's true. And it only happens through Jesus Christ. See, He knows you're lost, so He gives His Son. So that you and I could be saved. He knows what's better for you. He doesn't want you to be lost. Nobody. So He gives His Son so you can be saved. And only through Jesus can you be saved. Are you saved? Accept Jesus and his offer, and you'll be saved. God wants what's best for you. But I would say this growing spiritually is always a choice between comfort and fear. Comfort and fear. That's that balance. It's that one like this comfort and fear. Comfort and fear. Watch how it works. If you get comfortable, you won't grow you'll just stay right where you're at I'm fine with this job that I have I'm fine with this in my life I'm fine with where I'm at spiritually in life I don't really that's just fine God's fine I'm fine we're all fine hey hey you won't grow if you become too fearful you won't take the risk and you won't grow see so you can be too comfortable and say "Yeah, this is good enough or you can be too fearful and say can't do it and the end result is the same Did you know that... Okay, I'm going to end up here. Did you know that a falcon can fly at speeds of over 200 miles an hour? Imagine that. 200 miles an hour. On my best day, back in the day, 20. (laughs) That is why their prey has hardly a chance when they swoop in for the kill. Fear is like that in our lives, isn't it? It can swoop in seemingly out of nowhere, faster than a speeding bullet. However, remember this. This is important. They say the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. Did you catch that? The speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. Falcon 200 miles. An hour that's like a snail compared to you and me isn't it It kind of reminds me of the snail and the turtle you know what the snail said sitting on the back of a turtle what did the snail say sitting on the back of a turtle we <laughs> anyway I just throw that one in there but no catch this so the Falcon flies at 200 miles an hour, and that's how the enemy comes in, seemingly out of nowhere, faster than a speeding bullet. Speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. Now why do I tell you that? It's very simple. Here's the scripture. In John chapter 8, Jesus said these words, I am the light of the world. Whoever, that can be you, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What does that tell me? That tells me that my faith activated in God is faster than the fear that is released upon me. Hallelujah. You see, God wants his children to be unafraid. That's right, because he's our God. If God be for me, who can be against me? Romans chapter 8. But faith. Faith is what you do. Faith is what I do. You get to do yours. I get to do mine. I can't get my mom and daddy's. And you can't get your grandma and grandpa's. You got to do your faith. And I got to do my faith. God sees the end result of your faith. He sees you saved. He sees you healed. He sees you moving forward in life. He sees you successful in your walk with Him. He just wants you to have faith in what He knows awaits all of us. Unafraid. Unafraid? I sure hope so. Let's pray. Father God, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You so much for being the light in this old dark world. And in this dark world, Father, when we roll around in it enough, we realize how dark it is. And in that darkness, we become very fearful. Oh, but Father, You are the light of the world. Light up our lives, Father. May we run to You in this dark time of our lives. And as we run to you, Father, may it be a sign of our faith in you so that we know great things are yet to come because you are our God and you love us. Bless this church family, our church family, Father. We love them so much. Father, and during these trying times in our world, we're just asking that people will begin to turn their eyes to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Oh, Father, help us as Christians to be and to be that light that shines for the world to see that they don't have to walk in fear, that they can too come to the light that will save them from this dark world. Father, help us. Forgive us when we fail you, but help us to walk by faith and not by sight as you've called us to do. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you, my friend. It's great to see you and great to be with you this week and hope to see you soon. Take care and God bless. Bye-bye.